Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Sad day. I sad but exciting day. I am recording the final podcast episode in LA before I moved to Austin. It is Wednesday, August 30th, and we're driving on Friday. I'm going to make the trek from LA to Austin. So if it sounds a little echoey in here, it's because I'm sitting in my kitchen and there's currently no furniture in my house. So let's get to the episode because I'm excited about this one. It's going to be a short, but hopefully interesting and informative episode. So I want to talk about the phenomenon of increased calorie expenditure following a workout or the elevation in metabolism that happens in the following hours or following potentially days after you exercise. So I want to break down what this means, what the research is saying about the validity of this phenomenon and how it may or may not practically affect you in your results. So excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, which I'll refer to as EPOC from here on out is that afterburn. So that increase in metabolism that happens transiently or temporarily after you exercise. You may or may not have heard of this being more pronounced after a HIIT workout or after strength training. I'm going to talk about that. But essentially, the theory is that your body increases the energy that it needs for cellular processes following exercise, and that requires more oxygen. So this is hypothesized to happen because after you exercise, your body needs more energy to repair muscle tissue, to clear lactate, and to replenish glucose stores that you may have depleted during your workout. So what is the research saying about EPOC? Is it real? I want to go over a few studies. I will put all of these studies in the show notes. So I want to start with a study that has small sample size. About eight individuals ended up completing the study, but I thought this was interesting. So the researchers wanted to compare the afterburn or epoch of HIT versus strength training on active menstruating women. So they standardized this. So each session was 30 minutes. They divided the participants into doing either HIT training. So high intensity interval training or circuit style strength training. And both the sessions were the same amount of time, 30 minutes. All women did the intervention during their follicular phase. So they tried to standardize where they were in their menstrual cycle. The study concluded that both the interventions, so both HIT and strength training resulted in significant increases in energy expenditure that was detectable at 14 hours after exercise. So what, what that means is that about 14 hours after they were finished with the exercise, they could detect an increase in metabolism that the researchers concluded was significant. So I was really excited to read this. I just, you know, what I usually do is I'll scan an abstract and which is kind of the synopsis of a study. And then I'll dig in deeper into the study and look at the methods and look at the results and try to draw conclusions about how good the study was and about what we can kind of take away from it. So when I just read the abstract, I was really excited to read this because I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is awesome. You can see increases in metabolism in menstruating active women with both HIT and strength training. But I dug a little deeper into the results and after 14 hours, the participants were only burning three more calories per hour than they were at baseline. So they were burning about 33 calories per hour at rest at 14 hours after their workout versus before they had worked out, they were only burning about 30 calories per hour, which that three extra calories 
isn't nothing, but it's not very practically significant. So if you just read the abstract of the study and then you didn't look deeper into the study, the takeaways may seem more impactful than they actually are. So maybe this is a reason why this afterburn, this epoch that people are marketing is potentially getting overblown. What we have to remember about research is the word significant doesn't always mean the results have significant real life implications. So the word significant in statistics means that there's a high likelihood that the result that they found can be attributed to the intervention. So in this case, the researchers can be fairly confident that the slight increase in calorie expenditure can be attributed to the workout they had the participant do. So again, three hour, three calories per hour extra is not nothing, but it's not very significant for real life applications. So Although this small study saw that the afterburn is in fact real in menstruating active women in both HIT and strength training, and the results were similar between HIT and strength training, by the way, it likely is not contributing to a significant overall increase in metabolism or a meaningful overall increase in metabolism from a practical standpoint. Another meta-analysis from 2023, so this year, filtered through all of the best studies that they could find about EPOC, about this afterburn to determine its validity. They found that about half the studies they investigated showed that high-intensity interval training HIT did not elevate metabolism, and the other half of the studies that they found concluded that HIT did elevate metabolism post-exercise. So (laughs) the research is conflicting at best. Yet another study that I had pulled showed that trained individuals, so people who were consistent with exercise, may return to baseline metabolism quicker than non-trained individuals or people who are newer to exercise training. This makes a lot of sense, right? As your body gets used to certain things and certain routines, it gets more efficient at them. So it makes sense that your body would be more efficient at the cellular processes to help clean up whatever needs to be done in your body after a workout. So this afterburn effect, even if it's minor, may start to fade even more as you get consistent with training. And we know that consistency is necessary for results. So if it does exist, if this epoch does exist, even to a small extent, how much does it exist? From what I can tell, this afterburn phenomenon, this epoch seems to really be overblown and overhyped. The final study that I'll reference concluded that the post-exercise increase in metabolism may only account for six to 15% of the energy cost of the workout itself. So if your workout burned, let's say 300 calories, you may be only burning an extra 18 to 45 calories after you're finished. Again, it's not nothing, but if weight loss is your goal or getting leaner is your goal, this difference is likely not very meaningful. So I feel like a little bit of a Debbie Donner with this episode, but I think, you know, one of my goals is to look at these claims that fitness marketers are making, dig into them and try to find where they're true and where they may be exaggerated. And I think that it just illustrates that the marketing surrounding exercise, specifically high intensity training may be overhyped and potentially isn't a good reason in itself to select HIT over other forms of exercise. Like if you're between two forms of exercise and you're like, oh, well, HIT has a greater afterburn than moderate intensity cardio or whatever, just using those as an example, I'm going to choose HIT. 
I don't necessarily think that's a good reason to choose hit because the differences are going to be very minor if, if they exist at all. So here are my overall takeaways after researching this topic. Epoch, although small and likely not very practically significant, appears to be highest after a high intensity session like HIT. Resistance training and even moderate intensity cardio may have some afterburn, but again, it's not significant to your overall calorie expenditure. My biggest takeaway is that the afterburn, again, should not be a reason to drive your decision of exercise. The afterburn is likely not very significant, so don't choose a workout because you think it will burn more after you're done. You'll have a lot more success just not worrying about the calories you're burning during, during or after your workout, but how your workout is affecting your muscle mass. If you are more long-term focused, like this workout is going to build my body up, not worried about burning off what you ate or burning off what you, what you will eat later, because as I've done many episodes on calorie burn and exercise, that's not a very effective strategy to begin with. So if we just separate exercise and calories and focus on, okay, how can I select a workout that's going to be the most beneficial for my body? If we're talking about improving your cardiovascular health, what type of workout do I want to select for that? If we're talking about improving muscle mass and improving body composition, which muscle mass improves body composition, then we want to think about, okay, how can I select a workout that builds the most muscle mass without destroying my joints? And those workouts may or may not burn very many calories, but that's not what we're worried about because again, this is just not a reliable thing to look at when we're thinking about how effective is my workout. Now I want to correct myself on something because, and I want to normalize being wrong in the fitness industry, or, you know, at least like maybe being misguided about something and then you have better information. And so it's totally okay. In my opinion, to correct yourself. I actually saw Huberman, if anyone follows Huberman, um, Huberman lab, I've seen him do this. And I think that this is really admirable. He's like, oh, I was wrong about this. There are newer studies, or I didn't see this study about this. And I had said something and I need to correct myself based on newer information or better information. So I want to normalize that it's okay to sometimes be wrong. And I've done so many podcasts at this point. So odds are maybe I've been wrong about a few things, but what I want to do is be able to correct myself on this podcast so that we have better information going forward. And I want to call those things out. So one thing that I used to say on kind of earlier episodes, really early, like 2021 is that muscle burns a lot more calories. I, I had read, and I think this was like kind of conventional wisdom that has since been debunked that one extra pound of muscle can burn an extra 50 to hundred calories per day. So if you gained five pounds of muscle, you could potentially burning an extra 500 calories per day, but this has kind of been debunked by recent research. Increasing muscle mass may not make a significant change on your metabolism. So I want to correct that. I don't want you to build muscle because you think it's going to make you burn a ton more calories per day. That's not necessarily what it's doing, but what muscle can do is improve insulin sensitivity because of its muscles ability to store glucose. This improved insulin sensitivity may improve your body's processes of using fat as fuel. Again, how significant is this? I think time and research will tell, and I'll be sure to update you all when you, when we know, but I wanted to correct myself on that because again, I just think that this illustrates this episode and all the episodes I've been doing recently illustrate, let's not rely on exercise to help make us lean. Let's focus on diet and let's focus on exercise to build our bodies up. 
I think when we are attaching exercise to leanness and exercise to weight loss, it might make us make decisions that in the short term burn more calories, but in the long term are wearing down our bodies and not driving significant lasting results. If we think we can burn off what we eat or earn our food, it can also mess with our relationship with food. So I really encourage you to separate exercise as a weight loss tool and really focus on nutrition and being in a calorie deficit with food if leanness is your goal. And I've done an episode on exercise and leanness if you want to learn more about this topic and why using exercise as a calorie burning tool doesn't actually work. We want to be overall active, but just adding more and more and more exercise and wearing down your body might not be significantly increasing your calorie deficit. So that's episode number 107 if you want to learn more. This information may be a relief for you. I think at first it's kind of like, oh man, like I really wish that what I was doing in my workout helped me stay leaner. But here's how I like to look at it. When you free yourself from thinking that you need to expend as much energy as possible and demolish your body in your workouts, you ironically become more consistent because your body feels better because of your choice of workouts. Your workouts aren't completely miserable. It gets easier to show up to your workout. Your body doesn't feel like it got hit by a truck. And this is where our gentle consistency motto really comes in. And gentle consistency works. It works so much better when you can be gentle, release the idea that your workouts need to burn anything off and just focus on building muscle and building your body up. Okay. So that's Epoch. That's the afterburn. If you've been listening to this podcast and you want to develop a stronger body with zero guesswork, we'd love to have you in Evlo. So Evlo is my online fitness platform that I created a few years ago because I was treating so many patients who were fit, but their bodies were falling apart. And they were wondering what type of workout I could recommend that would be more joint friendly, but still effective. And there was not a single workout on the market that I knew of at the time. And I was in the fitness industry. So I knew of pretty much all of them that I could recommend. I think a lot of the high intensity workouts or the strength training workouts were doing exercises and programming workouts in a way that were going to be harmful or cause a lot of wear and tear on joints. Whereas maybe some like lower intensity workouts, like a lot of the yoga and Pilates and bar workouts that I knew on the market, maybe weren't enough mechanical load to drive significant change in muscle mass. So I wanted to create Evlo as a way that you could see both. You could see results. It was going to be realistic for you to stick to because the workouts aren't miserable and you could do all of these things without wearing down your body and without feeling like trash. (laughs) My husband just made a comment this morning, you know, we're moving and with moving, there's lots of lifting boxes and all the things. And he was like, he's been doing Evlo consistently And he said, I feel better than I ever have moving. He said, you know, my body's just not on the brink of total exhaustion all the time because I take care of my body and my workouts with Evlo. And I just thought that was so sweet. Like that was totally unprompted and he's been slowly gaining muscle mass and he feels good and he looks amazing but he's like, my body just doesn't hurt. And this, these are the things that matter, right? He's like, my, if my body's not on a hairpin trigger because my workouts are wearing down my body so much. So anyways, we drop 11 new classes each week. Each class is taught by a doctor of physical therapy. We don't just hire fitness models. These teachers really know what they're doing. We structure every single week. So you know exactly which class to take. There's zero guesswork. And again, our 
our results, our hope is that your body gets stronger. You, you increase muscle mass. If body recomposition or losing fat and gaining muscle is your goal, we have nutrition information in the membership to help you with that all without destroying yourself and having to do miserable workouts. So if you need to know if it's for you, you can always go look at our app reviews on in the Apple app store and see what other members are saying. I will leave a link in the show notes for a 14 day free trial. If you want to try it out, see how you feel. Hopefully this episode was helpful and informative. We will see you all next week. I'll be recording from Austin, same time, same place. Bye for now.